Blog Talk Radio. Radio Nation, it is Friday, and you are tuned into another edition of Page One. And um, usually at this time, I introduce my lovely co-host, Mary, but I found out a little while ago before we were to go on air that she is under the weather, and she's not going to be able to do today's show. So that kind of uh, changes a few things. Uh, You're probably going to get a one-sided opinion today on some of the topics, hopefully uh, when she comes back next week, if we have time, we'll bring some of these back up, get her opinion on some of it too. But as of this week, I'm sorry you're stuck with me for at least the next 25 to 30 minutes. But if you want to call in, of course, we are here. Uh, phone in lines 323-580-5600. want to get a couple of old things out of the way first uh, before I go on. Every week, you know, I fail to mention exactly uh, where we're at on the World Wide Web. A lot of people think that we're just here, but we're a little bit of everywhere. Not only are we on Facebook under News and Comment Blog Talk Radio, we are also on Twitter. And occasionally I will tweet, and it will be just things out of left field. Could be things that's going on. Could be news stories. Could be up-to-date things on what's going on here. Could be you might see my tweets between me and people who follow me or people who don't follow me. But I'm over at News Comment btr over on twitter so if you have twitter definitely follow me over there once again that's at news comment btr now the other thing that a lot of people don't know and i want to get off the table here right away is that yes we do have an official web page that web page is over at news comment btr dot wix w-i-x dot com forward slash fan page now there you'll get the latest news and information about all of our shows. I've got a little weekly thing going on where it's a retro video of the week. Uh, Mary and I's bio is over there, so you can get more about us, what we do, as well as every link as to where you can find us on the web, including our link to iTunes. A lot of people don't know that either. In this iWorld, we are on iTunes, our podcast. It's free. Go download it, subscribe to it, be a part of it. But this is, I like to call the people show too. So we're everywhere, catch us everywhere, and we're there. And I want to thank my guest, Siri, uh, adult star Siri, who was on yesterday. Definitely such a sweet person. Uh, she said that she wants to come back. So uh, hopefully down the line we will get her back. Actually right now she's got something going as to where she's trying to get 30,000 followers, and I think she's like less than 200 away. So uh, as a favor to me, if you want to follow somebody really, really good looking, go and follow Siri. She's at Siri Pornstar over on Twitter. 
All right. Got it? Good. Now, we do have some things to cover this week. Um, and as I said, the show will go on. And uh, it's kind of always funny, I thought, when I do this one-sided. But there were a couple of things I found out this week, one of which was the dangers of Facebook. Now, we've talked about it plenty of times on this show before, about people who post things to Facebook that they really shouldn't have, it come, come back, bite them in the behind. We've seen it all. But this story comes out of Los Angeles, and a man's unusually complicated hunt for nudity on the Internet may land him in prison for more than 100 years after federal prosecutors say he hacked into hundreds of social media and email accounts to coerce more than 350 women into showing him their naked bodies. Now, the guy's name was Karen Kazarin, Karen Gary Kazarin of Glendale. Uh, he's 27. He was arrested on Tuesday after he was named in an indictment Friday alleging 15 counts of computer intrusion and 15 counts of aggravated identity theft. Prosecutors accuse him of hacking into women's accounts and searching Facebook messages, emails, and other files for nude or semi-nude pictures of them. He then posed as a friend, persuading them to strip while he watched via Skype, and he captured images of them or both. Now, when the women discovered that he was posing as a friend, he often blackmailed them with the nude photos he had fraudulently obtained to coerce more stripping. And in some cases, he's accused of posting the nude photos to the victim's Facebook pages. About 3,000 pictures of nude and semi-nude women were found on his computer. FBI investigators estimate he had more than 350 victims, but all the women have not yet been identified. And authorities are asking people who believe may have been a victim to contact FBI offices in Los Angeles. And a spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office said most of the victims were local, and as we said, he faces up to 105 years in prison if he's convicted on all counts. And after I was called at that time from the Associated Press to his lawyer, was not immediately returned. Now, i got to tell you, that is more disturbing than anything else that, first of all, he was able to hack into these people, the Facebook pages, and find said photos. Why would you post any potentially damaging photos to your Facebook email? I can kind of get a little. But even then, I don't get that one. Because I'm thinking if you're going to be posting photos, and I know in this digital world we take camera phone photos and we send it to our email to save or you know we do this or we do that but i'm thinking back old school and now i'm going old school with a digital camera and at least to have it on a disc file or something but i would think that when it would come to that especially for something like facebook where i'm not going to knock it i mean i have one myself but for facebook we know that sometimes you can get hacked it can happen just as the same as with an email, just the same as with other things, but to leave that stuff and then to go on Skype and pose naked before you even know who he is, I just see something wrong with that. Somebody, if I called and said tomorrow, hey, I want you to pose nude on Skype for me and then take snapshots of it, what are you doing? A little disturbing, quite frankly, but... Um, just a warning out there to all of you who uh, know people who post a lot of stuff to Facebook, just the dangers of it and what it can possibly do. So be on the lookout as always. Another great story that I uh, found this week was uh, one 
that uh, I know guys out there want to know. Found this article, uh, and I think ladies kind of owe some guys an apology here. I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. Send your letters to our email. The only way you're going to find out what our email is, you'll have to go to our website. See? (laughs) But according to this study, no good deed goes unpunished. Now, that's the famous phrase from Claire Booth Luce. It apparently now applies to married men, according to a new study that finds that men who help with the housework tend to have less sex. I'm going to repeat that for you guys so that you hear that. According to a new study, men who help with the housework tend to have less sex. The University of Washington research published on Wednesday in the American Sociological Review suggests that heterosexual couples have more, quote, sexual encounters when each partner takes on traditional gender roles. Now, where the male is doing the male task and the female is doing the female task, those are couples who are having more sex. This according to UW Associate Professor of Sociology and Study co-author Julia Bronze. Now, you can go to her uh, page over at UW and find a PDF copy of the whole study, and it says the study had some other interesting findings. For instance, twice as much time is spent on, quote, female chores, 34 hours each week, than on tasks more typically considered male chores, 17 hours. Now, couples who participated in the study, most of whom split some of the, quote, female chores, reported having about five sexual encounters each month on average. But in those homes where the man stuck to his 17 hours of guy duties, the couples had 1.6 more sexual encounters per month. You could do the math here. The female in a relationship is taking on 68 more hours of housework per month than the male is in exchange for about two sexual encounters. According to Brian, she also says if the activity is coded as masculine or feminine, and they express ideas about what makes the opposite sex interesting, attractive, alluring, mysterious, that seems to be related to the sexual activity and possibly sexual desire. Now, this data was based on information taken from 4,500 couples polled as part of the U.S. National Survey of Families and Households, and the census was conducted between 92 and 94, which is a long time ago. And there were studies done back in 2005 on this, and... According to her, she says, it's not what it was 50 years ago. There's a lot of change in the division of household labor than it was in the 70s, but the, ch- the pace of change starts to slow down in the 80s, and by the mid-90s, it kind of remains stuck, and you're pretty much in the same period. So according to that, if guys don't do guy things, you don't see the bedroom as often. I don't know. I don't, no, no, I'll have to ask my married friends out there if that's true. <laughs> Or if you are married and you've heard of that, or it, it seems that way, you can give me a call, 323-580-5600. We'll be around for the next 18 minutes or so. But I don't know. I've never heard of that before, which, like I said, I'm a single guy. I'm a renaissance guy. I do both. I don't know why, you know, people now have to say that washing dishes is a feminine thing or to do laundry is a feminine thing and to, you know, uh, make a bookshelf. It's a male thing. Females are just as good as doing those things, just as males are just as good as doing feminine things. So it, it, it crosses both ways now, and I think it's a lot different from the '50s and the Leave It to Beaver era, where you know dad pretty much worked, mom pretty much cleaned up the house and tended to the kids. And when dad came home, he got his pipe and his newspaper and pretty much sat there all day. 
it's a little different now. And now you have to be 50-50 in regards to how things are because women now in the workforce uh, tend to work a lot of more high-profile jobs or are the people who are bringing home, you know, the bacon. And guys' roles are now changing as to where they are at the house or they may be part-time, but they may be at the house and they may be helping out. So it, it kind of changes now. Does it mean more sex, less sex? I don't know. It is an interesting study. <laughs> Speaking of interesting, I know this is going along the, <laughs> the bad path this week. No, Mary probably would have loved this. The next two stories aren't going to get any better here. But a Cosmopolitan article has come out, and it says, A recent study has showed that less than 10% of Americans sleep in the buff. Now, <laughs> according to them, it says, Not only is it dead sexy, experts swear that naked sleep is actually good for you. And he came out with a list of six reasons as to why it is. Now, this was or this was Cosmo's article, not mine's. The first reason was geared more towards women. I mean, probably for guys, too. But it says here, according to Jennifer Atlanta, who is an MD and author of The Sex Drive Solution for Women, she says that sleeping naked can be healthier for your private parts. Now, while it's traditionally normal to have yeast and bacteria and everything growing there, the warm environment can sometimes cause an overgrowth. One way to prevent infections is to, quote, air it out and go commando. Second reason was that you'll sleep better. Now, you might like being cozy and warm at night. It's actually important to have a cooler environment when you sleep. This according to a doctor who sits on National Sleep Foundation's board of directors. She says your body temperature progressively declines as you sleep, which is a natural tendency of the body so being too warm and with heavy PJs and blankets, it can disrupt that. Sleeping naked, she says, can help your body stay cool. Now, actually, I'm going to say I'm here in Chicago, and today it's about 7 degrees, and I think if you slept with the window open, it's not going to help you. You'll be very cold. Uh, reason number three on that list is that you'll look hotter. According to a neuropath uh, or naturopath, Natasha Turner, who is the best-selling author of The Hormone Diet, she says, being too warm at night disrupts the release of melatonin and growth hormone, your main anti-aging hormones, into your body. Now, as your body temperature drops, growth hormone is released and works as regenerative magic, and that keeps your skin and hair looking awesome. Reason number four, you'll lose belly fat. Sleeping naked helps you sleep more soundly, which will allow your levels of the stress hormone uh, cortisol to decrease as you rest, keeping your energy and hunger levels in check. And when your sleep is disrupted, your control will be too high when your alarm goes off, making you more likely to wake up hungry for comfort foods and more likely to overeat uh, them. Number five, you'll feel more confident. According to the study, they say sleeping naked feels great. We can tune into sensations like the feeling of the sheets and the coolness of the air which can be very sexy, and feeling sexy increases confidence. And then the last reason, of course, is the one that's the general reason you'll have better sex. And they said that sleeping naked is great for your relationship because laying skin to skin will increase feel-good chemicals like the cuddle hormone oxytocin. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, so forgive me if I pronounced that wrong. But they said that sleeping naked encourages sexier relationships, and you'll feel more relaxed and be more in the mood for intimacy. There you go. So we're not only a public service here, we can kind of help you out with that. And uh, now you know, so the next time if somebody's sleeping 
naked to you, more than likely they heard this show or they saw the study and they are just testing out a few things. <laughs> Interesting news out of China where <laughs> it's one of those things where once I read this, it, it, it now is uh, we probably have come to the end. But air pollution in China has gotten so bad that one entrepreneur there has decided to sell cans of fresh air. Can of air. I gotta let that sink in for a second. Now the decision by Chen uh, Gungbio to sell the cans of air isn't exactly an attempt at a profit generating venture. Rather, Chen, who's already worth a reported seven hundred and forty million dollars, is using the cans as social commentary on declining environmental conditions in China. He says, quote, that if we don't start caring for the environment, then after 20 or 30 years, our children and grandchildren might be wearing gas masks and carry oxygen tanks. Yeah, Chen, but you're selling cans. I hope those are recyclable. Still, it's hard not to think of, uh, they say, Mel Brooks in Spaceballs shotgunning a can of Perry air as his planet deals with a crisis stemming from lack of oxygen. Chen is selling the cans for about five yuan each, which is about 80 cents American. And the cans come in a variety of flavors, including Taiwan, Tibet, and Yan'an, early home of the country's Communist Party. The American Embassy in Beijing issued its second uh, recent alert this week about the level of airborne PM2.5 particles, which it says can lead to a number of health issues, particularly for children and the elderly. And as recently as Friday morning, the embassy measured a very unhealthy warning on its site, which is not a good thing. But cans of air, have we gone that far? I think I actually saw something last week where we are now, uh, I think now they're coming out with a fork that could actually help you stop eating. Have we gotten that lazy now as to where we need cans? Now, the can of air, that's a good idea, but I think I would rather see that in some odd way. What happens and how long does that air last once you open it? And if you open it in bad air, does that mix in and then makes that air bad? I mean, how exactly does that work? Because I'm seeing the picture here. It looks just like a can of pop, like if somebody had a can of air. So I don't know how you would breathe that in. I, I don't know. But um, I forgot to mention that we're going to start a new venture here, and I am going to sell jars of air. Uh, each jar is going to be uh, $4.99 plus shipping and handling, and it will be bought to you in a mason jar. Uh, it will be nice cool, crisp Chicago air. So if you are a transplant from the Midwest and you're anywhere and you want to know what it's like to be cold, I will gladly send you a jar. So just get in touch with me over on Twitter at NewsCommentBTR, and I will send it out to you today. <laughs> oh, I tell you, got to love it. Got to love it. And finally today, a new sexy class is going on. Now, at one point or another, and I think I've mentioned it here, I, I – for a short time, lived up in Minnesota. Uh, the University of Minnesota will be hosting a symposium this spring that makes the idea of reading Fifty Shades of Grey with a room full of strangers seem tame. Folks, get ready to learn about, quote, the female orgasm. Orgasm aficionados and beginners of all genders are welcome to come learn about everything from multiple orgasms to the mysterious G-spot, according to the course description. The online RSVP form ask, are you coming? Now, it's spelled C-O-M-I-N-G. I'm so glad it's not spelled the other way. The event is being hosted by the university's Office of Diversity and Equity Women's Center, and a university representative <laughs> said that the course isn't rated NC-17. 
According to a spokeswoman, she says, quote, this educational workshop is open to the full university community and participation is voluntary. As a research institution, we study, publish, and educate on a vast range of topics, including human sexuality. That a seminar will cost the university about $3,400, which they chalk up to, quote, research. It's being taught by sex education experts Marshall Miller and Kate Weiberg, who offer, quote, funny, smart, honest lectures on everything from sexual health to GLBTQ issues. Their seminar on a female orgasm is their most popular. Why focus on the female orgasm? Because in spite of the fact that 63% of college women say they've had multiple orgasms, college kids are usually pretty clueless. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's better to learn from the experts. Many people, of course, uh, according to the professor, say that they don't know where this mythical spot is and let alone what to do with it when they find it. And given that it takes women an average of 20 minutes to have an orgasm compared to two to five minutes for a man, a little help will be welcome for most people. I wonder how many people are actually going to sign up and take that class. That, that's got to be uh, quite interesting. But uh, I don't know. And the question I was going to have today on that, especially with Mary not being here now, but um, hopefully she's feeling better, was if you could take a class on the opposite sex, uh, or for those of you uh, who want to take it on the same sex. But if you could take a class on the opposite sex, what class would you take? Now, you know, I've been trying to get some feelers out this week about that from certain people, and I know for a lot of you ladies, all of you say that you want to take a class on what exactly guys are thinking and why uh, they do. we do what we do. Um, I don't know if that could be taught. It's the same as probably what you guys do and what you're doing and why are you thinking what you're thinking. Same thing. It can happen both ways. <laughs> but it's always an interesting thing. But um, like I said, I'm not going to bore all of you today with a long show. We've got about seven minutes left. In terms of shout-outs, like I said, shout-out to all of you, especially if you're listening to today's show. If you listen to the past shows, we're trying to start something new with page one hope that you like it. If you've got feedback, if you like what we do, don't like what we do, if you want to hear something else, if you want to hear something more, always reach me over on Facebook or over at Twitter at NewsCommentBTR. And like I said, on our official webpage at NewsCommentBTR.Wix.com forward slash fan page, there is also a link to our email. And what is that email, LeVar, you ask? It is NewsCommentBTR at Yahoo.com. So, if there's something you want to hear, and hey, you know what? We also welcome callers. When we're here from week to week and we're talking, sometimes we like to hear from you. We've had a uh, loyal listener call in the last couple of weeks. Glad that uh, he is out there listening. And like we've said, for all of you that are listening and like the show, uh, we love you guys and we hope that you keep listening. But hope that Mary's feeling better. Hope that she's back with us next week. And for now, I'm going to say I am LeVar, and, you know, I don't know if we'll do anything special for the Super Bowl, so keep posted to the Twitter page to see if we actually do something special because I know a lot of you missed the sports show. Uh, one of these days it will be back, and uh, we will probably revamp some things, but hopefully it will come back soon. So uh, until next we meet, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Don't drink and drive, and just be careful out there and 
We'll see you all back here next week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Peace.